1: All right. We are now joined by Joe Goodberry. We talked to him a couple of weeks ago and then there wasn't really a football game, but we wanted to make sure we get him back again. He's a Western New York native. He does a ton of coverage for the Bengals. Joe,
2: thanks for joining us again. We appreciate it. Thanks for having me. And you're right. I, I hope we can finally build this anticipation to a full game.
1: Yeah, this was nuts. And, you know, obviously everything that happened last time was so much bigger than football, but it almost immediately over, not almost, it definitely immediately overshadowed what we were talking about is the game of the year. We never really got to see it. And now we will, now we'll get to see two of the best teams in the NFL, two of the best quarterbacks. It should be fun. What are your kind of initial thoughts going into this matchup on how things shake out a couple weeks later?
2: I can't get over the nine minutes that we did get, you know, and, and think about how the Bengals came out, took the ball first attacked downfield, really didn't seem very worried about the secondary for Buffalo and, and felt like they could hold up against the pass rush, which they did. I, I thought on that one and a half drive we did have. And then it's funny cause we talked about getting digs in the slot when I was on with you guys and the bills come out right away, put digs in the slot, hit him twice and we're attacking up the middle. And if it wasn't for a third down, maybe out of, Beasley's range uh, Buffalo probably would have had a good chance to score on that drive as well. Got a field goal out of it. So I, I wonder how much of that is scripted, how much of that was, yeah, we know we can attack this way on tape and that may only last a couple drives. And then you got to, you know, go play football for the rest of the day or how much was that stuff we'll see or we won't see. I was impressed with how the Bengals came out and did that and
0: taking the ball first was interesting as well, right? I mean, they basically said, yep, we're going to take it. And they were aggressive and all week, they were talking like they were aggressive and they were the team to beat. And they came out and they had that bravado. And I was impressed with the way they, they played. And then of course, Taryn Johnson went out even before, Tamar Hamlin went out and that would have been, you know, really tough for the bills to overcome that as well. Let me ask you about the injuries of the offensive line, because that is the story of the week in Cincinnati. Let's go. All right. If I say from a scale from one to 10, one being totally fine, they're all good. 10 being, oh my gosh, light the world on fire because they are in big, big, big trouble. What is it for the Bengals?
2: You know, I would probably normally say somewhere closer to seven if it wasn't if it was Andy Dalton. Right. But this is a Joe Burrow offense where I feel more confident he's going to be able to mitigate the issues on the offensive line. And I'll probably go more of a five. Okay. And that's probably how I felt last year. The line was the big issue last year. They still got pretty close to winning the whole thing. But you don't want to survive like that for too long, right? You don't want to survive to the point where, okay, we can't call five-step drops. We can't call seven-step drops. we got to be careful with play action, turning our back to the offensive line, because a guy may come in running free at Joe Burrow. So I think we saw it last week when Jordan Williams went out. And Jordan Williams has given up the most sacks of any left tackle in the league. But at the same time, the Bengals trust him to do that on an island. And as soon as he went out last week, second half, they called one five-step drop. This is the remainder of the game. And this is a a tight game. This is a game where they needed to probably chuck the ball down the field a couple times to create some room between the Ravens and themselves, and they couldn't do that. Uh, It's second-round pick Jackson Carmen that'll go into that spot. Bill's probably, I would compare him to somebody of of, of a recent Bill's pick, Cody Ford, where he was played tackle in college. He's probably more of a guard in the NFL. He didn't have a great rookie year. The Bengals relegated him to the bench this year after they made a bunch of upgrades to the offensive line. He's going to have to go back to left tackle where he played four years at Clemson. Uh, It wasn't great, the one half we got of him. So I am nervous. I think the Bengals are aware of it. I think it's fine to be aware of your deficiencies as long as you can game plan around them. I think that's where we're at.
1: Who's the bigger loss for them, Kappa or Williams, knowing Williams plays the more premier position, but he also has given up a lot of sacks. Like how would you rank those two
2: guys? That's tough. Kappa was having a really good year, his best career year in the NFL, and he was their best offensive lineman. But at the same time, I think replacing a guard with a guy that has 30 starts in the NFL and Max Sharping, who they claimed after he was cut from the Texans, basically cap and their tanking, you know, situation what they're doing at the end of the year or at the beginning of the year, they released him. The Bengals claimed them. I'm fine with plugging him in for a couple weeks. If that's the case, at right guard left tackle. I just don't feel like they've had the depth. They've really struggled to draft offensive tackles. And that's why they are in the situation they're in obviously, mm-hmm. but uh, I don't think they have a great answer as a backup for that spot. Earlier in the show,
0: Matt and I actually recorded while we were down at the facility, and we said it wasn't for sure yet on Jonah Williams, and we still don't know, but neither of them did practice today. Just so everybody knows, we're talking with you here on Wednesday night, and I just can't see it, Joe. I can't see either of them playing, although I don't think you know necessarily either has been ruled out this early in the week yet.
2: Yeah, I think they're encouraged by how fast Kappa, when it, when it first happened. So a guy comes in on a, on a loop from the end in, in, into the inside. He gets blocked by the left guard into Kappa's knee, and we thought that's it for him. I mean, the way he fell and the way his leg crumpled, everyone was like, no, that's it for him. Turns out it was just an ankle sprain, just. I mean, that can still be four to six weeks, you know, depending on how he goes. But already they're like, whoa, it might be a C Championship if they get there. At the very least, it'll be in the Super Bowl if they got that far again. Jonah Williams is a different case because he dislocated his right knee versus the Ravens in week five. They put a brace on it. He came back and finished the game. Left knee happens this time against the Ravens, which is like really weird to dislocate your kneecap twice against the same team in the same year. Now it's the other one. And I think at this point, they're like, let's slow it down a little bit. He could probably put a brace on it if there's no structural damage and get back out there. But I think they want to be careful with him. I don't think they're ruling him out just yet because they want to see what it looks like in a couple of days.
1: Joe, I was watching, like everybody was, I was watching the game against the Ravens on Sunday night after the Bills had played. So we knew, okay, it's going to be the Jags or it's going to be the Bengals, and let's see what happens here. And I watched the first half. I was in Orchard Park. And then by the time I got home, I was a little confused. I was like, what is going on? Because the first couple possessions of this game, the Bengals looked like they were just going to dominate the entire way. Why were the Ravens able? To kind of make it a game, and was it more of like self-inflicted wounds from the Bengals, or was it the Ravens making some really nice defensive plays that kind of forced uncharacteristic mistakes?
2: The Bengals struggle with two types of teams, and the one, the major one, we get a lot is the uh, the Browns and Ravens, or what they are right now, that are physical, run first teams that are just if the game script is in their favor and they can stay within a, a score or even get ahead, it's bad for the Bengals because obviously most teams like to play when they're ahead of the game, they can control the, the dictate, the clock dictate, dictate the game flow, but the Bengals are obviously susceptible to a pass rush. So when they get down and they have to throw the ball, it really is hard for them to protect up front. The Ravens, they held the Bengals to seven possessions total in this game. I think the bills had 15 possessions versus the dolphins. I mean, that's, it's tough to get, you know, in a shootout. If each team gets 10 possessions, Bengals, Ravens, I feel good. The Bengals are going to beat them by two or three scores. If you keep it to seven possessions each we're talking is probably gonna come down to a one-score game. And that's the game the Ravens wanted. So they wanted to get be able to get back into this game, keep it close, and play everything deep. And just say, okay, our front four is going to beat your offensive line. And we're not going to let anything over the top. Not a single shot over the top. And they were right. They they were able to control that. And I think that's what the Browns do. It's what those, the Steelers did early in the year. And it can really mess the Bengals up at times if the offensive line can't protect.
0: I think that's what the Bills will do here. I think the Bills will basically invite even if you will, the Bengals to run the ball and challenge them to run the ball and say, we're just not going to let you beat us with those wide receivers, especially over the top. So that said, the reason is because the Bengals haven't run the ball great this year. What's been the issue? I'm a big Joe Mixon fan. I think he's tremendous. I think Samaji P Ryan is a terrific running back. Why have the rushing numbers not been there this year? They're bottom five in both yards per game and yards per play.
2: Yeah, this is a situation where I think it comes in ebbs and flows. And in the beginning of the year, they wanted to be a wide zone running team, and they were just completely disjointed from their passing attack. It just looked too different. You could tell when they were running, you could tell when they were throwing. So they scrapped the wide zone from under center. And they said, okay, let's rebuild as an – Inside zone, duo, power from shotgun type running team, and they had a lot of success in the middle of the season. So you might remember Joe Mixon had five touchdowns versus the Panthers, and then Smadji Piran came in, had a couple really nice games. Their rushing efficiency jumped to top five for like a month, and then it dropped down again. Mixon came back from his injury. For whatever reason, it didn't mesh and the Bengals' I think defense is adjusted, right? That happens. There's, defenses are gonna adjust. You need to figure out a new wrinkle on your on your side of the ball. And that's where they're at now. Now you see Joe uh Burrow and the pistol a little bit more, trying to make things look look the same as as uh, passing offense to running offense in the shotgun. And I don't think they're there yet. I think Joe Mixon does would rather be a wide zone running back. When you have to read the middle linebacker and if teams have good middle linebackers in the inside zone running, I think that messes them up, slows them down just a little bit. I think Smajic P. Ryan would probably be better for this offense because he just north and south is just going to take his three or four yards and put his head down and run through you. Mixon will try to break one and bounce it to the outside. The Ravens are a tough match again. Anyone with athletic linebackers, because I think Mixon's starting to slow down just a bit and he doesn't realize it. He plays like he doesn't realize it. He tries to get those guys to the corner and he's not beating them anymore. Mm So I watching Moano and and Edmonds, are they going to be able to beat him to that corner? And then with being athletic linebackers, if that's the case, Bengals are probably going to struggle again to run the ball.
1: Understanding the sample size is so small in those first two possessions of the game on Monday night. On the second, they attacked Tredavious white. We don't see that often. I mean, obviously we hadn't seen anything for a year with him sidelined. Now Trey's got a couple good games under his belt. Kyrie Lum is coming off of probably his best game as a pro. He's still probably not going to get, you know, 80. He's probably only going to get like 60-70% of the snaps anyway. Do you feel like the Bills are better suited to handle the three monster wide receivers for the Bengals now than they even were a couple weeks ago or is that still the biggest potential mismatch for the Bengals compared to the Bills defensively?
2: It is the Bengals' ace, right? They they're off they're wet receivers, their weapons are what they're going to lean on and try and get the ball to them. They feel like they can get open versus anyone. But if you're going to, like Sal said, if the Bills are going to control the deep shots and not allow them, which I think was different. The Bengals, if you remember the first play, go ahead one-on-one versus White and the Bills sent a blitz. The Bills were, I'm up in the, the uh, press box area and they were showing their hand a little bit early at the Bills. So we never got the tape. If anyone watches the tape, we never got the, the NFL scrubbed it. So you can't really go back and watch it unless you record the TV copy. The Bills were showing. Now, you usually will have uh, two deep safeties or one deep safety, right? Or you'll rotate it right at the snap or as close to it as you can possibly get the Bills weren't holding their water long enough. They were kind of showing it too early. The Bengals were getting to the line quick, and the Bills were starting to show what they are rotating into. You do that to Burrow, Burrow knows where he's going to go, and they're going to take their shots anytime you're going to leave them one-on-one. So I, I bet that would have been an adjustment the Bills were going to make. But it was interesting in the first two drives that they are willing to blitz and play with just one deep safety. And that's what I'm looking for. Are they going to change that completely, or are they just going to say, well, that was the first couple of drives, you know, that was part of the game plan, the Bills— all throughout this year, I feel like have been better after the script has run out.
0: For sure. Would it be, would it, let me, let's flip the other side. Um, let's talk about the defense. Would it be fair of me to say Trey Hendrickson is the better
2: pure pass rusher, but Sam Hubbard is the more complete defensive end. Yeah, I think that's fair. Uh, Hendrickson's a really good pass rusher, but he he really doesn't defend the run at all. If you watched versus the Ravens, the uh, Ravens were attacking that side uh, and the Bengals eventually had to pull Hendrickson and put in Cam sample, who is a big body power run defender type to to play that edge spot. Hubbard's just a guy that does everything well, but nothing tremendously. You know, he's, I would say he defends the run. Well, he plays contain really well. He is smart in that way. He's heady. he just finds a way to make a play. When you need one, you need those guys. Those are the guys that, that keep the defense together. Uh, but when the Bengals need a pass rush currently of the two teams, Trey Hendrickson is the best pass rusher on both teams. And, but that is what he does. So if you get in these scenarios, if it's third and eight, He's coming in, and he is going to run around that arc, and really, he and D.M. Dawkins, I thought, even on the one drive the Bills had, they're going at each other a little bit, and I, I was really wanting to see that matchup, and I, you know, we'll get it this week. Well, if I can't, go ahead, because their their sacks per pass attempt is not
0: that great. Um, it's 29th in the league. They're known to have a decent pass rush. But when I look at the numbers, I'm like, but they haven't come up with a ton of sacks. In fact, I think they're like 10 behind the bills, as far as sacks are concerned. So, you know, where does it lie as far as their pass rush is concerned? And on that note, how much do they blitz and to generate more of a pass rush?
2: They don't blitz that often. They will have a section of, or, or, or a section of their playbook where they will pull that string. On a third down, a key third down, and they'll send the blitz. They're gonna show blitz a bunch, but they're not actually not actually gonna right. do it because they're gonna wait to that one time where they can say, okay, now we're sending that nickel corner, now we're sending the linebacker, whatever the case may be. Uh, so they won't do it that often. Probably similar to the Bills. I feel like the Bills have done it a lot more since the Jets game where Mike White got knocked out with the ribs. They've been sending Milano a lot more. I think that will be interesting to watch. But uh, the Bengals, if you look at like their pass rush win rate. It's decent, but their sacks just aren't there for whatever reason. I think it's mostly because they're willing to play uh, deep coverages and say, we're going to come up and make a tackle. So the guys are winning at the line. They're not getting there. I think they really struggle with interior pressure. That's the biggest issue. Their best interior pass rusher this year has been uh, DJ Reader, and he's not known for that. He's a big body, nose tackle, run defender. But for whatever reason, man, he's been really beating guys in, in, in pass rush. They just don't have that interior guy. I think it takes three solid pass rushers to actually have a good unit or else you see a guy like Hendrickson Hendrickson go from 14 sacks last year to seven and a half this year because you don't have that third guy last year it was Larry Ogunjobi for them they lost him he went to the Steelers they wanted to replace him with third round pick Joseph Masai he's been coming on lately in fact over the last six weeks or so his pass rush win rate is seventh in the NFL Hmm.
1: DJ reader gave fits to the bills back in that Houston Wild Card game. And I know that he's one of those, just like really underrated players in the NFL that, you know, enough people know about, but not enough people nearly talk about Joe. Is this a Gabe Davis game? It feels like this could be one of those matchups where, you know, wide receiver two is just going to get a ton of targets and have a ton of winnable matchups.
2: Yeah, I think the numbers back that up. The Mangles typically have been very good against number one receivers while being exploited by number twos, and they're going to give that number one receiver extra attention. They're going to shade those safeties over. They love their safeties. They don't trust their corners on the outside. They don't really have many options right now, but you know, Eli Apple and Cam Taylor Bitter are going to be out there, a rookie, and Eli Apple's been a journeyman. He's been okay for them, but we saw him get beat on a double move for a touchdown on Sunday night football versus the Ravens, as they were giving him no help because Bengals didn't respect the Ravens receivers at all. It'll be the it'll be different now. They'll give him safety help and the Bengals will want to funnel the passes inside to their safeties, to their linebackers who they like athletic young linebackers, and to Mike Hilton, who's one of the better slot corners in the league. But it is a Gabe Davis game. I can see this being a 10 to 12 target type game for him, and maybe he can continue being playoff Gabe.
1: Yeah. <laughs>
0: let's talk about special teams a little bit. Um, Obviously a really good kicker, uh, you know, from last year and all the big kicks he made, but you know, what do the Bengals have on special teams and you know, what do Bill's fans need to watch for
2: as far as that unit is concerned? Evan McPherson has had some weird issues. He missed an extra point last week. He's missed some random easy kicks to be honest with you. He probably should have won the game in week one when they lost their long snapper. The second kick that he attempted was good enough to get down and get through And that may have cost the Bengals a a chance at the number one seed, Uh, you know, ultimately everything got messed up with the the Damar Hamlin situation, but he's had his ups and downs. They still trust him and believe in him, but he's definitely going through something or going through some, some, you know, sophomore slump, if you want to call it that they've gone from a veteran long snapper, the longest running long snapper in the league and the longest running punter in the league to two young guys throughout the season as well. Drew Krishman at, at punter, you're getting no hang time from him right now. He's a directional punter that'll boot at 55 yards, but you're getting, if if he misses, you're going to have a chance at a return. Uh, other than that, though, it's nothing to speak of in the return game. Trent Taylor's nothing really there at punt returns, not that punt returns are even a thing anymore, but at kick return, they really haven't found the spark that they had a couple of years ago, and they've had nothing, nothing like many minds for sure.
1: The last time we did this, we were all kind of talking about like, yeah, these are two really good teams, and this game could go either way. It could be a weird bounce, it could be a weird play that changes things. Now it's in Buffalo. And I think we all, I don't want to speak for you guys, but I kind of feel the same way about this game that I did a couple weeks ago. How big of an advantage or is it an advantage? Do you think for the bills that this game is in Buffalo? Like, do you think the Bengals are, you know, a different team on the road? Are they better? Or are they worse? Like how big is the benefit of this to the bills?
2: All of their numbers are worse on the road. Uh, they score more points at home. They have less penalties at home. They have give up less sacks at home, which I think, goes to the offensive line and communication and not being in the silent count and being able to hear Joe Burrow, make checks in, at the line, which is something he's a cerebral quarterback. That's what he's going to do. If you're going to allow him to do that. Uh, I looked at the bills home numbers. They look fantastic as well. I think uh, points per play, they're number one in the league. It's, the atmosphere too, Sal. So, uh, I don't. I assume both of you guys were there in Cincinnati from the Monday night game. Yeah, that was electric. I mean, you could feel like Great. not just mm-hmm. the Bengals taking the ball and go down. You could. I mean, it was palpable. Yeah. I expect it to be the other way around in Buffalo this weekend, and I think that matters, or at least matters in the beginning, and and as you get the momentum or regain it or need to regain it as you need that spark. I kind of felt that in the bills dolphins game where like, all right, someone needs to do something here. The, the crowd's starting to get a little edgy. And then that's when Elon gets the pick and right back. And then the energy's yeah. right back with everyone. And I think it matters. So I still think it's a coin flip game, but now edge towards Buffalo being home.
0: Uh, last one from me. I want to ask you about being a, Bengals fan. We talked about that in Western New York. But now you went through this situation with Demar Hamlin. You're watching it as a Bengals fan in Buffalo. You've had a chance to kind of see these two fan bases in a different prism than a lot of people would kind of come together. And, you know, how I guess um nice is it to see these two fan bases and the the two communities kind of like really band together over the DeMar Hamlin situation.
2: Yeah. And we talked last time about the Andy Dalton Tyler Boyd play to get them into the playoffs. Yep. And that's been brought up since then. And I think people in Cincinnati didn't realize how charitable and how Buffalo can rally together for a cause as, as, as efficiently as they can. And when that happened and they are donating to Andy Dalton's foundation and like everyone was overwhelmed by that idea. And I'm like, yeah, I, growing up in Buffalo, I understand why that happens. We shovel each other's driveways. We can, you know, we, we look out for each other. And, and then, so when it happened the other way in Cincinnati, this time in Cincinnati rallied, and then the country rallied, the football world rallied, I was like, this is cool. This is, you know, you can see this, that People are people and can come together and for a cause, and especially when you can see yourself or your kids in that situation and just going like, you know, this, this is terrible. And we need to be there support as, as a, as people as one.
1: I think if regardless of what happens this weekend, I think if the Bengals win, most bills fans will be rooting for the Bengals from here on out. I don't know about the other way. I don't know if the bills beat the Bengals, if the Bengals will root for the bills or if they'll just root for whoever in the NFC, but it does feel like we've kind of had another chapter in this, you know, really weird connection of teams because it's so rare that they ultimately get to play each other. The last one for me, Joe is when you look at this game and you watched both of these teams play on Sunday night, do you feel any different about the bills, the Bengals, or this matchup? now than you did at 1259
2: on Sunday? No, I, I guess I don't. Um, I think the national perspective is, has maybe shifted a little bit. I, people are underrating what a division rival playoff game right. can look like, mm-hmm, and it can be tough. And they're playing yeah. them for the third time. Bengals Ravens was back to back weeks, both bills and Bengals split with their division rival during the regular season. Those were tough games. Eat both ways, uh, three point games, both ways. So, You know, when I look at it, I I still think they'll reset and they'll, they're, these teams are built to probably beat the chiefs, but in, at the same time, beat each other. And in a lot of ways, they mirror each other. So I probably feel the same way I felt going into Monday night about the matchups and about the advantages. Now the Bengals are a little more hurt on the offensive line. It's in Buffalo this time, but I will say, I also, as a fan going to that game on Monday night the vibe outside between bills, Bengals fans was awesome. Like they yeah. were hanging out. They were like, we're already in the playoffs. What are we worried about? Look at this. Both <laughs> of our teams at the same time, when does this happen? And it, 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 it was like, Hey, which one country? of us
0: is going to beat Kansas city. Let's go do it. Okay. It, yeah.
2: <laughs> and with, without being too vulgar, it turned into chance of <laughs> F the chiefs. Yes. And like, it was like, man, look at this. Why do chiefs aren't even here? What are we worried about? This That's is right. Bengals bills. But a lot of people were saying, if it's not us, Bills, go do it, you know, because the cities are similar, the people are similar, the franchises have been very similar. Even before the Dalton thing, if you remember the CBA in 2011, 30 teams vote for it, two teams did not, the Bills and Bengals. Like, at that point, I remember on the Internet people going like, why? what is What is up with these teams? We've shared coaches, shared players, mm-hmm. players from, you know, a lot of relationship between the two that have culminated into this. That I just think is fun and a lot of anticipation. And we're finally going to get it because, lack of a better word, we were robbed of it with 13 seconds last year. The game should have happened. It could have happened easily. And then the game never got to go underway on Monday night. And so a lot of anticipation for this.
0: Well, listen, I'm going to give you both a history lesson right now. Not that you, and you might know about this game. I'm sure you do as a Bengals okay. fan and bills, but I'm going to take it back to 1988. It's not just the AFC title game and Icky woods and the Bengals beating the bills, but here's what happened. All right. So these two teams go into the last week of the regular season and the Bengals and Bills basically, um, you know, are fighting for home field advantage. And if the Bengals lose, the Bills will have home field advantage through the 88 playoffs. The Bengals win. The Bengals will have home field advantage. The Bengals are playing Washington. And at the end of the game, Chip Miller, the kicker for Washington, has a chance to kick a winning field goal to beat the Bengals, giving the Bills home field advantage in 1988. He hit the upright. They lost. The Bengals won, they had home field advantage. The Bills had to go there in the AFC championship game and Icky Woods beat the Bills. And that's why the Bengals went to the Super Bowl in 88, 35 years ago, guys.
2: That game may have had an influence on me becoming a Bengals fan. My dad did not like the Bengals much after that. Mm. The Bengals were upset with the Bills, uh, not allowing them to run their no huddle offense. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, right. if you remember the last drive, they had guys going down and my, I remember my dad at once the K gun came around and they were running it. My dad did not like the Bengals because the Bengals said, oh, they're, they took our no huddle offense. But I thought that was a rival. My I have an older brother who's a Bills fan. Like, the Bank, being a little kid, not knowing much, the Bengals must be a rival of the Bills. And that's how I stuck with it.
1: There you go. Out of spite. I love that. Joe, there's going to be people who listen to this podcast who want to figure out more about the Bengals side of things. Where can they find all the stuff that you do?
2: best place is Twitter, at Joe Goodberry, just the way it sounds. But if you want to watch some film reviews or go over some data or just have a conversation about football and review the games, which you may want to after this one, uh, you can find it on the Cincinnati Bengals Talk YouTube channel, where Bengals on the Brain show show starts uh, at 8 p.m. every Tuesday.
0: All right, buddy. Great job. Thank you. Enjoy the game. We always love when you join us here and it's always game day in Buffalo. Thank you so much. Thanks, Joe. Thanks guys. All right. For uh, Joe and for Matt, I'm Sal Matt. You want to say anything before we head on out for the final time before the AFC divisional game?
1: Yeah. Whatever team wins this game is going to the Super Bowl. That's what I want to say. I love it. We're going to leave you with that. Thanks to Joe
0: Goodbury for joining us. Thanks for subscribing, downloading, liking and throwing us a nice review on it's always game day in Buffalo.